So you cannot throw them in like a common garden compost and expect them to like disappear and be one with the worms. But that's what I thought would happen. Welcome back, everybody. It's season two. Woo! Beth, well, that was excited. a bit sad. <laughs> it's just your little hands. I am very excited. Welcome back, everybody, to season two of the podcast. Woo! Was that a bit better? Yes, there's the enthusiasm I wanted. Thank you, Beth. To all you lovely people who joined us for our sustainable journey, I have to say it, um, in season one, welcome back. Thanks for joining us. And to all you newbies, you're in for an absolute treat. We've got lots and lots of sustainable wins and sustainable sins this season. I can't take credit for that. Marie came up with it, but I'm quite pleased with it. I'm sure you've racked up quite a few in our little hiatus we had. Surprisingly, I'm actually coming back. I'm starting the season on a high with a sustainable win. I'm really, really pleased. It's, it's not a massive thing, but I thought, you know what? No, we're starting on a high. So my sustainable win this week is I'm still trying my best with zero waste. I'm going to my refill shop weekly um, and my refill shop's really good because you can recommend things they get in. So there's always new stuff, which is really, really exciting because I'm a bit of a nerd. Um, and I've always struggled to get refillable skincare in. And my skincare routine is very basic anyway, but because I have oily skin, I need to moisturize. So I'm always looking for some sort of moisturizer and a cleanser. Um, I've always tried to get these in glass or recyclable packaging, but I'd rather it be refillable. I walked into the refill shop and right in the middle, in their new kind of product table, was a refillable cleanser and a refillable moisturiser and I actually screamed to myself and the cashier just looked at me really weird. But I was like, this is like the holy grail for me because this was impossible to find. And um, I've just moved house, so I'm closer to my refill shop now, because I'm a proper nerd again. Um, so I was double excited, so I brought them straight to the till, been using them, and my skin is glowing, and I will be going back for more. So what more could you want? That's like really pathetic, but I was really, really pleased with myself. I want to say we've all been there I'm not sure, maybe it's just us, but I've definitely been in a situation where I've been in a shop and I've seen something sustainable and outwardly gassed. Yeah, so I do it too. So at least you're not the only one. You kind of have a little like squeal just because some stuff is really difficult to get like for ages. I was on a crusade to get noodles, zero waste refillable noodles, and I could never find them. And I think about a year later, my refill shop got them in and I was so excited because I love a ramen or a stir fry. And I did have a little squeal to myself. So I'm glad to know it's not just me fanning out about just essential grocery shopping. It's the little things in life. It, it is the little things in life. Like, honestly, that got me excited all week. I had the best week ever after that and my skin was glowing. What more could you want? That being said, Marie, what, what are you bringing to the table? Got a win? We got a fail? We got a bit of both? Well, since you kicked it off with a win, I think I'll have to follow it up with a sin. This is an ongoing sustainable sin. Every time I do it, I just like, it drives me crazy, but it's a reflex action. And that is 
overfilling the kettle when I make myself a cup of tea. Yes, we we've all been there. Absolutely. I just need one cup of tea and I always make enough water for like three and it drives me crazy and just a knee-jerk reaction where I zone out and then I look at the water in the kettle and go, oh no, I'm trying to get better at that, but this is an ongoing sustainable sin that I do on a daily basis. I'm exactly the same because I have one of them um, whistling kettles that you put on the stove, so mine doesn't even have the little indicators. Not that I ever followed the little indicators anyway, so I make tea for like a whole family but how do you know how do you know and then i feel i feel bad just making a cup of tea for myself well there's actually a simple solution to it just fill up your cup with water and then pour it into the kettle so you know exactly how much you need that's such a good idea that's gonna change my life now that turned into a sustainable win well not really because i don't do it i just know the solution Do as I say, people, not as I do. That's probably the best advice you've ever given on this podcast. It's also kind of a good segue. Oh, I love when that... You're really good at doing that. You're great at a transition. It's like we planned these out beforehand. I know. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Two Girls, One Reusable Cup, your sustainable support group, the podcast about navigating the triumphs and tribulations of living a low-waste lifestyle in your 20s. I'm Marie, and as always, I'm joined by the lovely Beth. Welcome back, people. And we are starting off with a simple question that has roots for a deeper discussion. How bad are single-use cups? So kicking this off, how often do you get like coffee or a general beverage on the go? Weekly, I'd say. Um, I've probably said before, I'm more of a tea drinker and I find that tea on the go is not as good as coffee on the go because, for example, you go to a coffee shop, they'll probably have your bog standard tea and I'm a bit of a snob with tea. I want like the top tier tea. So I don't tend to get on the go. But I'd say, let's say for me, once a week, Monday morning, I'm feeling a bit groggy. I'll go maybe get a mocha or a hot chocolate because I'm a child just to cheer me up. So what well, once a week, I'd say. What, what about you, Marie? I don't because it's... I used to. I really used to when I've lived in the UK, but ever since I moved to Portugal, I don't because it's not that common practice here because here coffee is actually like an espresso. And if you get that, even if you're like in a rush, you just quickly drink it on the at the counter and leave. If you remember when you came here, Portuguese bakeries have quite a lot of counter space because all you do is you just walk up, buy your coffee quickly, drink it, and then walk out the door. Although I have developed a bit of a taste for like really shitty iced coffee that you get here in the supermarket, I think that is starting to turn into a sustainable sin. Like I did it once because it was hot in the summer and now it's winter and I still pick one up. It's just convenient. I don't think you can even call it coffee. It's more sugar than coffee, but it's what I use now to like get myself up in the morning so marie we all love getting a cup of coffee a cup of tea a shot of espresso a lot of us do it what is the problem here it's part of most people's morning routines what's the sustainable sin well the general of course sustainable sin is that it's single use a single use item is designed to be used once and then disposed of or destroyed it's kind of in the title Now, to explain this further, I have broken down this into the the two most common ones that you can see in coffee shops. I've called it the classic and the compostable. Let's start with the classic. The classic, the one that I'm referring to, is the one that is usually 
the one you get like 98% of the time in a coffee shop. It is what looks like a paper cup. But what many people do not know that coffee cups cannot be recycled because they're not made completely out of paper. They actually have a coating of plastic on the inside to stop the hot water from leaking out. See, I don't think that's common knowledge either because I think people see the recycling symbol and just think, cool, that I'm doing my bit, that's fine, this will get recycled, the planet will thank me later, but it's actually not the case at all, is it? No, it's not. And it is nearly impossible. I say nearly impossible because there are actually three companies in the UK that can separate the paper from the plastic when it comes to these cups. So the plastic inside the cup, that is because we're putting liquid in the cup, it protects the cup and stops it from disintegrating. Is that the reason they put the plastic in there? Yeah, yeah, it so stops from hot liquid leaking into your lap, essentially. If you think about how effective a paper straw is in holding liquid... Oh god, they disintegrate just like my life most of the time, within a few seconds, which is ridiculous. So that, to be fair, from um, a functional point of view, it does make sense that there is plastic in there. But in terms of a disposability point of view, that makes things really, really difficult. Yeah, exactly. On average, the UK throws away 2.5 billion coffee cups each year. This, this statistic, one day I will say it in one go, is from 2018. And I'm assuming this number went down during the human malware, but this is just an educated guess. This number may seem a lot, but this only makes up about 0.7% of the total packaging waste in the UK. So I think that's the case with a lot of food packaging, isn't it? Because food is quite messy. You have to have some sort of plastic because otherwise it will just, if it's paper, it just crumbles. So I, I can understand from a functional point of view why there's plastic, but a disposability point of view makes things very, very difficult. And another element to this is that single-use cups also double as free advertisement. Yes, of course they do. It's something that many people don't think about. It's natural. You you see someone like walking down the street with like a Starbucks cup and then you're thinking, "Ooh, I'll have some of that too, which is just like another layer of consumerism. I think the other thing with that as well, as the individual, it's almost become like an accessory, especially the Starbucks cup, how iconic they are. It's part of your that girl walking to work. The outfit is complete with the Starbucks cup. I see it as very much it's an accessory. It's a lifestyle. And that's how brands kind of sell it to you. So you're completely right. It's that extra layer of consumerism. And that's so important for brands because otherwise they, especially coffee shops, would not sell any coffee. Yes. Um, and that actually bodes of quite a big pro uh, problem for independent coffee shops. And it's going to be later on when we talk about it, a downside of reusable cups. Yes, of course. Let's talk about the second option that I put in the single-use category, which is compostable cups, which have kind of become like my nemesis ever since I researched this episode. So these have been like popping up everywhere and they've been hailed as the sustainable solution. But in fact, the energy that requires to manufacture them is much higher than the normal standard paper slash plastic cup. 
They're kind of like the electric cars of cups. Like everyone's just jumped on them and gone, that, that's the solution. That is the solution. And not really looked into it when in reality it's, it's not as good as it seems. And again, you see a cup and it will say compostable on it in like lovely green writing. There might be some green leaves on there and you just automatically go, perfect. This has solved all my problems. This isn't going to landfill. And like you said, they are an they are our nemesis because they complicate things even more. The issue with them is it's technically not a lie, technically. However, it takes very specific pathways of disposal to break them down. So you cannot throw them in like a common garden compost and expect them to like disappear and be one with the worms. But that's what I thought would happen. Oh, yeah. Crushed my dreams. The majority of them require an industrial composter. And I don't know about you, but I don't have one of those. But what are compostable cups made of then if it takes so much for them actually to be composted? Compostable cups are made out of a material called PLA, polylactic acid. Now, polylactic acid has many uses. And one of the two main ones is compostable packaging. And then the second one is the filament used in 3D printers. I had no idea about that. I thought that was your bog standard plastic. I didn't know it was PLA. When like 3D printers first popped in, they also like said, oh, it prints biodegradable plastic and stuff like that. It's I think even my university once like suggested it as a sustainable solution when I was studying. But that is, in fact, not the case. The thing is, technically, I say the word technically, it's not a lie. PLA does have natural origins, so you can call it a bioplastic. It is made out of fermented plant starch such as corn, cassava, sugarcane, or sugar beetle. But here's the thing. Just because it has natural origins does not mean that the end product is quote-unquote natural. That makes so much sense why all the marketing picks up on it being a green option because people just see the word natural and think everything's okay. That I am actually really surprised to find out that it is created from plants and it's plant-based which is really cool and like it's a cool solution but I have a feeling you're going to tell me that actually it's not brilliant. No so compostable plastic can be broken down into its core building blocks water carbon dioxide biomass but only under perfect conditions. It requires months of exposure to to temperatures over 50 degrees Celsius in a regulated environment only found in industrial composters. So you definitely can't do this at home? No, these conditions are so specific and the enzyme required to break down PLA is so rare in nature that it would never break down in outside of an industrial composter. That's crazy. That really is. And the UK, I don't believe, has a lot of these industrial composters either. I think that's a big problem. They're not found in every single recycling facility in the country. Yeah, and this is where, as I said, pathways of disposal come in because you can have all the compostable cups you want, but if you can't get them to an industrial composter, it's pointless. It's basically the same as your normal cup. And it's actually worse than a normal cup because if it ends up in a landfill, P 
PLL degrades very slowly in ambient temperatures. So it's actually worse than normal cups. That's kind of ironic, considering this is meant to be a solution to the original problem, but it's now just created an even bigger problem. But that's not common knowledge. That's what gets me is it's the out of sight, out of mind thing. You see the word compostable in green writing and think, cool, that's fine. It get it like you said, it becomes one with the worms and actually it causes more problems than a normal cup. So why are we even bothering? Well, I mean, this comes to a point that I, I stress a lot throughout the podcast. There's only so much the average consumer can do. It shouldn't be all up to us. I keep saying this. You need to, like, especially legislation needs to put into place. So like stuff like natural cannot be used as a buzzword. Like it has to be regulated and say, okay, you can only use these words if it means this and this and this and this. Right now, this is how greenwashing happens because all these companies can throw out these words, natural, sustainable, woo, and it doesn't lead to any consequences because there's nothing saying, no, you can't call this, 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 and this, and this. Have you seen recently that the advertising um, standards agency are now bringing in um, legis- I can't say it, legislation, so you can't use the words good for the environment and stuff like that without proving it? which is a massive step in the right direction, but I can't believe this is only just happening. No, yeah, and that's the thing. Progress is being made. I think you people may have heard that H&M is being sued. As they should. As they should, exactly. And this is like, again, well, where we come in, as, it's a perfect balance. So like, keep making noise and keep saying, no, this is not right. And eventually people will listen and then start putting up consequences so companies cannot greenwash anymore. So it, it's a fine balance. So definitely, like, we can do something. Definitely. So, like, keep making noise. So, yeah, we see improvements, but all these improvements are happening because consumers are saying, we, we cannot tolerate this anymore. Absolutely. The best thing you can do is use your voice. If you have a platform, use it. It's, it's as simple as that. Hence why we... We are here. So, Marie, we've talked about the classic, which kind of sounds like I've gone to you for a coffee order. I'd like the classic. I've then ordered a compostable cup and found out that actually that's worse. I'm going to try again. Could I order a tea, but could I have a reusable cup, please? Ah, yes. Our namesake. I actually own quite a lot of travel mugs slash reusable cups. It was like the main, re- the only way my mom would get me out of bed and out of the house, like on school days. It was literally like she would hold the coffee cup in front of me and I would like follow it like a dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's better than me. My mom would just tip water on me. I'm such a deep sleeper. I would not move. I would much rather someone tempt me out of bed with a lovely hot brew, hot coffee. That's lovely. <laughs> Fair play. My host mom in Germany caught on to this as well. Like, I love that, like, two people have, like, realized, oh, no, Marie will not move unless you have, like, a, like, well, 16-year-old Marie will not move unless you can, like, drag her out, follow the coffee. It's a good, it's a good tip, to be fair. <laughs> One of the first switches I did, like, when starting this sustainable journey. You had to say it. We had to say it. Switching from 
starting to carrying around a reusable cup with you. I mean, I have a collapsible one and I love it. One of my favorite things I own. I love them. They are brilliant. I've even seen you can get them, but more in like a wine glass type shape that's collapsible. This says a lot about me as a person, but they're brilliant. They fit in your bag so well, would definitely recommend. They seem like the perfect solution, but they do come with problems. Of course. Go on. So the main problem, and I think you have probably noticed this, is there is no universal size. So baristas worry sometimes about underfilling or overfilling the cup, especially if it's not one that's from their own brand. My cup does have the measurements written on the inside, but I don't think that every single cup has that. And on a busy day, it's quite stressful for them to figure out like what is the most appropriate amount to pour in a cup that they don't know the size of. Actually, when we were in Boston a few years back, me and my mom both had our reusable cups and I actually saw the barista use a single-use cup to measure out the perfect amount for oh, no. our reusable cups. And like, But you cannot fault her because even in that situation, my mom's and my cups were different sizes. You're completely right because they will be trained in a certain way to maximize their costs, essentially. So everyone will get the exact same drink size. I would have never have thought of that because again, going back to my comment about how cups are like accessories, reusable cups are the exact same. Like if you go into a shop, the amount of colors you can get designs, like they have become an accessory, which I, I love. I love that everyone's kind of got on the reusable cup train. Well, most people have, but you're completely right. You see really short ones, you see really tall ones. The problem is the coffee shop hasn't coffee chains haven't kind of figured out a solution to this unless you buy one of their reusable cups like Starbucks have reusable cups now yeah and like this is quite simple solution if you keep revisiting the same coffee shops but if you're like someone like me who likes to find a lot of independent coffee shops this could cause some problems and then another issue is that people people hand them over and they're still dirty please don't do that don't expect them to clean your cup. They're already busy enough. Like, do not hand a dirty cup to someone and expect them to clean it for you. I'm not a saint here. No, this has only happened once by complete mistake. I, I've said at the start of the episode, I don't go in and get coffee slash tea very often. Might be once a week, once every two weeks. And usually I'm really, I always bring my usable cup and I've cleaned it. For some reason, I missed a tiny bit of my cup that I completely forgot to clean. And I was about to hand it over and I looked and I was like, oh my God, it's moldy. This is so gross. And I didn't hand it over, obviously, but all oh, the shame. I had to do the walk of shame out of the coffee shop. It was awful. Um, so yeah, like Marie says, please clean your coffee cups because it is food slash drink. It does go moldy. Um, no one wants a moldy coffee cup in the morning. <laughs> I have to say, I've been in those situations as well. Like, so... Oh, here we go. I'm a very forgetful person, but also never handed it over. But all, uh, it's usually like sitting on my desk for like a week and I just, yeah, there's a whole new colony living in there. I've grown life. So third, fourth time lucky, I've come to you and I've got a moldy reusable cup. So no, can't do that. Marie, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to have a drink in and I'm going to have to have a porcelain cup. Is this the better option? So yes, the short answer is yes. When it comes to this uh, discussion, 
the best option is to have your coffee in-house in a porcelain cup. Oh, good, because I've got no more options left. So I was hoping it would work. So yeah, the best thing you can do is consume your beverage on the premises. In 1994, a, a study published by Martin B. Hawken, who is currently a professor in chemistry at the University of Victoria, he has expertise in process development and emission controls in areas he has written over 70 research papers, basically a smart cookie, that's what I'm saying, titled Reusable and Disposable Cups and Energy-Based Evaluation. The study looked at the number of times you must use a porcelain cup before it was better than a paper cup. It considered the energy of manufacture, how much energy it takes to wash the cups. In this case, it's multiple cups because they were looking at the context of a coffee shop, not the use of an individual person. And it also factored in shipping and packaging. And they concluded that you must use a porcelain cup at least 50 times before it's better than a paper cup. And this number may go up and down depending on the dishwasher. If it's fully loaded, if the water, if it's energy efficient, that, that's a whole other variable there. See, I don't think 50 times is too bad. If you think, uh, I don't think I'm the average kind of coffee or tea drink when I go out. I don't think you are either, Marie. But say the average person has a coffee every single morning, goes to Starbucks at nine o'clock, gets their coffee. That's in the working week, let's say. That's five coffees just in one week. Yeah, and that's just one person. If you think of like how busy the coffee shops are, I mean, your sister's a barista. I think she could tell you that I'm pretty sure she serves more than 50 uh, cups of coffee, I think with, within an hour or so. Like, she needs at least 50 cups of coffee after she's done. <laughs> so it would definitely be used at least 50 times. But I, I don't think that's a bad number at all, really. No, no, if you consider like all the other va variables that go into place. The study also shows that the energy to wash a porcelain cup was almost identical to the making of styrofoam cup. Now, this is making, remember, styrofoam is like one of the worst products like imaginable because it hardly ever breaks down. I was going to say that's very old school coffee cup is a styrofoam one. I mean, this the study is from 1994, so maybe that back then styrofoam cups were more the norm. Um, luckily, we phased those out. So I thought it was interesting. To my knowledge, no one has wrote an updated paper on the energy-based evaluation of reusable slash and disposable cups. So this is the best we got. Sorry. I was going to say it's quite a specific study as well. <laughs> That's really, really surprising. So porcelain is technically better. And you know what? I don't know about you. If I have time, I do like sitting in a coffee shop and drinking in and reading a book or catching up on some work or just people watching. But ultimately kind of we're talking about takeaway my dad i've seen him steal porcelain cups from coffee chains before accidentally walking out with them so he's the real eco warrior here but obviously you can't walk out with a porcelain cup so i mean yeah my brother does it on purpose when they overcharge him for coffee and it's not good so we've got quite a collection that's fair enough <laughs> I, I mean, I think he's doing the right thing personally. So, Marie, so what, what do we do? What's the kind of best way to approach this? The worst thing you can do is put a single-use coffee cup in the recycling, especially if it's dirty, because as we spoke about this in our recycling episode, it will contaminate the recycling and all that recycling will go to landfill. 
Absolutely. And I'm so happy that I've kind of got into the habit of this now. If I see that like what I um if I see that the food is contaminated or the drink is contaminated um what I have, then I put it straight into the normal bin. And I don't know about you, but it feels like it feels like a sin what I'm doing. It feels so wrong because my automatic pilot, as soon as I see anything paper or cardboard, regardless if it has tons of stuff on it, goes straight to the recycling like for the first few months of doing it i felt terrible i felt rotten but it is the best thing to do yeah because then we fall into wish recycling so if it's dirty put it in the normal bin even though it feels wrong if i do have a single use cup i'm very sorry hashtag sustainable sin does it make a big difference no that's the thing having one single use cup will not kill the planet so, in fact, we kind of mentioned, uh, we cannot kick off season two without mentioning it. In How Bad Are Bananas? The best book ever. We love you, Mike. Mike wrote that a coffee cup. Do you want to say his full name? I only no, no, Mike. no. I'm just going to say <laughs> They know who Mike is by now. We're on, we're on a first name basis with Mike now. It's like we're really good mates with him, which I really wish we were. If Mike listens to the podcast, I'd be so happy. Like, podcast complete. In the book, Mike writes that a coffee cup has a carbon footprint of 110 grams, which is very small. To put this in a bit of a context, he also lists the carbon footprint. Well, he lists the carbon footprint of everything. That's the point of the book. But the one that I chose is he lists out the carbon footprint of a takeaway, and that's between one to six kilos. So it's even lower than a takeaway. And honestly, the bigger problem, what's the inside the cup? And then the carbon footprint can vary if you use plant-based or animal-based milk. Shout out to our milk episode from season one. Give it a listen. Yeah, generally, this is a conversation about habit and how we've gotten ourselves into a disposable mindset. You're so right. That is a habit because the other problem is that it adds up, not just as an individual, but as a collective. So it's one person starting this habit influences other people and hopefully creates society change that's that's the problem here you shouldn't feel guilty if you have a single use cup of coffee every now and again it happens we forget our reusable coffee cups we don't have time to sit in you might be like me and have a moldy cup which is kind of gross but it is fine it is more about working on trying to get into the habit of bringing your reusable cup with you or making time to sit in and enjoy a cup of coffee if you can. So Marie, has there been any kind of interesting solutions to this problem? Because there's a lot of coffee shops, not just in the UK, but all over the world that are all selling coffee in some sort of cup. I found one that I thought was really interesting that a coffee shop in London called Proofrock has introduced a keep cup exchange program. The idea is quite simple. You bring your uh, keep cup to the coffee shop and if it's dirty, they'll pop it into the dishwasher and then they'll give you a new keep cup free of charge for your coffee to take home. The idea behind this, it doesn't slow down production time and the baristas know the size of the cup. That's a really great idea. I really like that. And then another one that I've seen, I saw this on Instagram. A lot of places have also been starting something, what they've been calling a mug library, which I think is such a cute idea. Where That's adorable. 
If you forget your reusable cup, you can borrow a mug from the mug library and then just you are responsible of cleaning it and returning that cup. You treat it as a reusable cup. That is so sweet. I'd love I'd love that just to see everyone's taste in mugs because there'd be such a range. That's really, really cute. And I think I see this kind of these kind of initiatives happen a lot with smaller independent coffee shops which of course hashtag shop local but i think these are the best places to go to and actually suggest these kind of changes to them because it's a lot easier for them to put these practices into place rather than bigger chains and i think even doing that is will have a massive impact because other people will see what these coffee shops are doing and start having conversations and thinking more about their habits and using single use. So it's really inspiring to see independence doing all these lovely things. Yeah, and I think the mug library would also work like in a business, like if you have a little coffee corner, you can have your little mug library. I think the one that I saw was actually from the BBC. I think it's a cute one. So in conclusion, the bottom line, if you forget your reusable cup and use a single use cup, it will not kill the planet. However, a simple answer is may not be a simple solution because the whole thing about sustainability, it's not black and white. For example, if you're somebody who drives everywhere every day, doesn't take public transport, but then still remembers to bring their reusable cup to the coffee shop, that's not going to make a big difference. It's all about context here. And it's not the whole, it's like when you're eating and it's like, oh, it's fine. This salad leaf cancels out this chocolate bar I've just eaten. That's not how it works. Exactly. Exactly. I just love whenever we come up, uh, come up for analogies of sustainable problems, it's always food related. It's always food. It's always food. I love it. But it's so much easier when it's food. Tells a lot about us. We're always thinking about food. So yes, it's all about the bigger picture. It's about starting to change our attitudes towards waste and getting out of this single-use mindset that we're stuck in. Promoting a culture of behavioral change, I think, is the overall message of this. And that is such a good point because I don't know about you, Marie, a question I get all the time is why should I be doing X when X over here is doing something much worse? Or why should I be doing this little thing when I'm also doing this other thing that just counteracts it? And actually, it's it's not as much about doing these little things. It's starting these conversations and starting these habits to create a societal change so more people are doing it and it becomes the norm basically um because otherwise if if we don't start talking about this if no one did it because what's the point we're never going to change how we all think and how we all how we all live so marie's completely right it is about seeing the bigger picture and i've always said to people it's better to do something than nothing because otherwise we'll never get anywhere um, so maybe the start is bring your reusable cup in or sit down and have a cup of coffee and get into the habit of it and then start talking to people about what you're doing and then introduce something else that you do. It all matters and it's all so important that as a collective we start talking and doing this, which is kind of what this whole podcast is about. 
someone told me recently that I am fighting a losing battle with this whole sustainability thing. That's harsh. Well, we better stop doing the podcast then. Oh, wait, and our whole careers are based on sustainability, so we better quit our jobs. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, and I refuse to believe that I will probably be here till... I wasn't going to say till I die, but that's a very depressing thought. That's really depressing. (laughs) Yeah, no, but I refuse to believe that. And as Beth said, this is the whole point of the podcast, is seeing where we can make small changes and... Oh, God, I was about to say live to a better future, but that's, again, so cheesy. I do not like that. Can we Um, bring in Journey somewhere here? I feel like that's where we're going, aren't we? It always happens. Which is why it's all uh, so important for all of us to start our sustainable journey somewhere. It We both believe it does make a difference. And maybe the start of your sustainable journey is our namesake, a reusable cup. Yes. And I think that is a beautiful way to sum up today's episode. Thank you. Thank you once again for joining us. Happy International Women's Day to you all. You can follow our sustainable journey on our socials. We've got Twitter and Instagram at Two Girls One Reusable Cup. You can also follow our personal socials. Mine is Life on Mars. And mine is Sustainable. For some more sustainable shenanigans. Have a good week, everyone. And we look forward to seeing you for the rest of season two. See you soon.